Hi friends, this is your friendly editor, Charlotte, just here to let you guys know if you're only listening to us on the podcast, you might have missed out on some of our most recent archaeology videos that we put out exclusively on our video platforms, YouTube and Rumble, mainly on our website. But if you'd like to go check those out, you can check out the links in the descriptions today, or you can sign up to our email list to get notified every time we put out something new, whether it's on the podcast or on our video channels. So that link will also be in the description. With that, enjoy today's lesson. Hi, and welcome to Evidence for Faith. Oh, I am so glad you're joining me today as we continue in our series on why are there so many translations of the Bible? And it's a question, as I have said in just probably every episode we've done, it's a question I get asked very frequently when I go and I speak at places. And today, this is lesson, uh, our version number 15 that we're looking at today. This is the New International Bible, um, commonly called the NIV. Most people know it as just the NIV. And uh, this is a very interesting um, translation. It is the most popular version of the Bible. Um, the last two years in selling of the different translations, which one um, sells the best? I mean, for many, many years, the King James was number one. But the NIV, uh, for the last few years, has been the number one selling Bible in the United States. Um, the one that last year um, was the second uh, highest selling Bible was the ESV. It previously, the year before, um, it was in, in 2021, it was the, that one was fourth in the list, but it's moved up to number two and it might even pass uh, the NIV here. It's becoming the most popular um, translation. It's becoming that way, but the NIV still holds as far as I know, still holds uh, the um, the crown for being the most cherished or the most published, I should say, not the cherished, but the most published version of the Bible. Um, now I probably piqued your interest. What was the best-selling Bibles last year, like top six? The NIV, the ESV was number two. Number three was the NLT, New Living Translation. Uh, and that has been in third place for a couple of years now. The Christian Standard Bible was number four. The King James, that's the original old King James. The King James dropped last year from second place into fifth. And then the new King James, um, it's the sixth place. And so those are your top six. Um, and according to research that I've looked at different sites to try and find the answer to that. But we're doing the NIV today. Now, as we've done, we're going to read the, um, the 23rd Psalm out of... This, the newest version, um, it's the 20, uh, 2011 version of the NIV, and it reads as thus. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me 
all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, if, as you've been reading or listening to many of these, or if you've been following along in different translations, you'll see this is not very different than what we see. You get the basis of Psalm 23 very easily in this. Now, this version was first published and didn't exist until 1978. It's got an interesting history of how it came to be. Um, it has been revised numerous times. The 1984 edition uh, was the, one of the, the best ones. Many scholars believe that it was probably the best and is still the best um, translation uh, version of the NIV. It was again done in 2005. And what you, if you go out and you buy one today, you're probably buying the 2011 version. The 2011 version is um, has not been revised in the last 12 years. It is very, very popular. It's the number one best-selling. Now, one thing that makes this Bible so, so popular is the understandable and, and um, readable text that it has. On a readability test scale, it comes out to about a grade seven, uh, close to a grade six, but it's um, most of the time it's in the right around the seven, grade seven range in um in English, so it's it's a very very easy translation. So middle school up can easily understand this. I know many um, adults and even Sunday school teachers and and others that uh, and pastors actually that love this version um, of the Bible because it's so easy to understand. But there are drawbacks to it, which we'll get to. Now, what type of translation is this? This is dynamic. This is thought for thought. Um, that's what they wanted to make, and that's what they did, because it's by doing a dynamic uh, translation, it becomes more readable, for one thing. Um, so this is dynamic. This is a classic dynamic. Um, and how it came about is really interesting. Back in 1955, there was a man named Howard Long who... <sighs> noticed that people had problems reading King James, and they weren't that excited about King James, and particularly non-Christians really couldn't grasp King James very well. So Howard Long began what ended up being a 10-year project and quest to develop a new modern English translation. Now, there were some others that are being done about the same time, but his goal was to give the public an accurate and clear translation of the Holy Scripture. That's what he actually wrote. And it's written, this is in the preface of many of the Bibles. Um, in doing so, he had scholars. He develops a scholarly team of 100 scholars, and their goal was to develop a translation, now this is important, through the eyes of biblical writers. Now, we have seen, in some cases with the paraphrase, like in Phillips, um, what we've seen is people trying to, these scholars trying to get into the mindset of the, of the people who are writing the books. And that was a major goal for this translation. But, he said, and this was one of the goals they set out, it had to be readable, not only by Christians, but any non-Christian should be able to pick up the Word of God and be able to read it and understand it. So that was the primary goals that you find for this translation. Now, how it was translated, that is a very interesting thing, too. Now, as I said, he began this in 1955. In 1965, 10 years later, 
um, he did get together, he gathered 100 international scholars from various denominations, and they began to work and develop this new Bible. Um, because there's 100 international scholars, that's why it was called the New International Version. And what they did was, was a little unique. Instead of taking an older Bible, like the uh, American Standard or the um, Revised Standard or some other translation that was already out there, what they did, instead of basing it on an older translation, this committee decided what they would work from scratch. And they would get um, as many ancient manuscripts as were practical and available. So they went and used, and you've heard me in some of these other broadcasts, what were the primary sources that were used for translations, the Masoretic text, um, the Samaritan Pentateuch, et cetera, Septuagint, uh, the Nestle Aland New Testament. I mean, a lot of different things. These people, these scholars got hold of everything they basically could, including the Dead Sea Scrolls. They went through as much as they could get their hands on. And instead of starting with a base, a base Bible, they started just with the manuscripts themselves. Uh, in fact, up to this time, I mean, it's, it seems logical to do this, but up to this time, many, many Bibles were not made this way. Um, few translations had used as many manuscripts or dissected them as carefully as the scholars working on the NIV. It took them quite, quite a few years to do this. Now, they started in 1965. They didn't finish the first publication until 1978. So, yes, it was 13 years of work when they finally published the first NIV. So the first one, if you get hold of a really old one, it's the oldest one's going to be a 1978 edition. Um, but there's something else that they did was really unique. This committee made a pledge that they would revise their work every few years because and, and due to the evolution of modern English. So as English language changes, they want to make sure it's constantly up to date with the modern English. So it was again revised in 1984. And that was a very popular, as a matter of fact, that's the one that I use sitting on my desk right now. I have my 1984 NIV um, study Bible uh, edition that I have there. I also have two other ones. I have a life application 1984 um, uh, edition of it. And I have another study Bible that I picked up years later. Um, I found it in a bookstore or something like that. And I thought was thumbing through the old study Bible, and I saw, oh my gosh, this is 1984 edition, and I purchased it. Those are hard to find. Um, it was again revised in 1996, and they made a children's version. It, you probably have heard of this one. It's called the New International Reader's Version, sometimes abbreviated the NIRV. It was followed by, in 2005, they revised it again, and they called this one the Today's New International Version, sometimes abbreviated TNIV. Now, <laughs> the TNIV is one that, as I've talked when I've taught classes on this, um, even with adults are like, I never heard of this one. It, it was a little different. It included a really political correctness and gender, gender neutral text is the way that they wrote this. The problem was this was not acceptable by many evangelicals. It was a very unpopular version. Zondervan, who was the publisher of this Bible, um, 
sort of uh, started noticing and hearing recall from pastors and reviews and from pastors and Bible scholars that they were not happy with the TNIV, and very soon afterwards it was discontinued. That you can't, the only way you're going to find a, I've never found a copy in the last like 10, 15 years of that. Um, I, I, I wish I had one that I could use as I teach classes on this, but I can't, I don't have one. Anyway, um, it was very unpopular and was discontinued. And then in 2011, they made another version. They sort of um, fixed, they thought they were, well, they were trying to fix that one. And that is the one that is now available today. If you go to a Christian bookstore or a Barnes and Noble or any other type of bookstore, um, even a local one, and you pick up a, an NIV, it's probably, or a version of the NIV, like a new NIV study Bible or a new life application, it's probably going to be the 2011 version. You can hardly find one of the other ones today. They're just um, I know many book um, bookstores had them up uh, years ago when the 2011 came out. They marked down the 84 editions and just, you know, liquidated their stock. And that's how I found, as I said before, a, a, a hardback study Bible of the NIV. Um, they were blue in color. Uh, their covers were, and I saw one of these in the store, and I thought, I wonder if that's an 84. And I picked it up and looked at the publishing information inside, and I saw it was the 84 edition, and I picked it up for... Uh, it was only a few dollars. And so, um, yeah, the, if you buy one today, it's the 2011 version. Now, unique features. I've already mentioned a few of these unique features about this. This is, as I sta stated, this is the most popular translation on sale today. And it was developed by scholars. And this is so cool. They, they use scholars from many different nations and many different denominations in making this a truly international version. Thus, their goal and hope was that the theological bias from different denominations and stuff would be non-existent in this text. But being a dynamic format, a thought-for-thought -thought type translation, it isn't. We've covered this so many times before. If, uh, if scholars are doing a thought-for-thought, -thought, they are taking, trying to figure out what is God trying to say here instead of taking the literal word of God word by word. They're trying to figure out what is God trying to say, thus you're going to get personal bias in it. Now, one nice thing about this was if you had an NIV study Bible, the 1984 version, that's the blue cover. Um, I have a, my personal one I use is leather, but it, um, it had in the footnotes when um, noted many places where it was biased. And it would actually say that in the footnotes that this phrase, this verse or whatever has bias to it. So it, it informed you, which to me, I love that. And that's why I used this one for so many years. Like I say, my wife bought me my copy because I had been using a King James um, primarily in a, in a new revised version were my two primary Bibles back until 1989 when she bought me this one. And I, I really I have used this and I still do. It's so it's falling apart and it's got so many notes in it and stuff um, of things. But that was a really good one. Anyway, um, it would inform you when you had bias. Now, mentioning some problems, as we just stated, it's a dynamic translation. Thus, it's going to have some paraphrasing. It's going to have bias. And in my opinion, that removes some of the accuracy of the version. As a matter of fact, to be totally honest with you, I was sitting in a sermon one time with my family, 
listening to a pastor speak, and the pastor was taking a New Testament passage, and he was going on and on. He he focused on one word in a paragraph in in the NIV. He was teaching out of the NIV, and uh, he he was using his whole basis of his sermon was on one word in this text. Well, my daughter and I both had English Standard Version, um, and I sit many times. I even this past Sunday, I sit with a, a Bible, and I have my Greek Bible with me too, uh, Greek New Testament. Um, and I'm sitting here, and I'm reading it out of the Greek as the pastor's doing this, and I'm trying to see what the words are. But my daughter noticed um, that there was a the word that he was basing his whole sermon on was not found. That word was not in that sentence in the ESV. And uh, she said, she leaned over to me and says, "Dad, this this verse isn't, or that word's not in this verse in my Bible." but this is what he's building his whole sermon on. And I said, yeah, and I showed her out of my Greek, and I said, see, that's not the right word. Um, the translators of the NIV here used a totally different word. And she was like, well, how can he do that? I said, well, <laughs> what he is saying about God and um, how God feels about sin and, and Christ's suffering and, and paying our price is absolutely correct. Listening to his words, he is speaking correctly. But what he is saying is not what's found in this verse. This verse is actually talking on something else. And she was like, I don't understand why, why we do that. And I go, well, pastors use this translation frequently. So um, yeah, it, the, it removes some of the accuracy. And I've had this happen many times where I've sat in a church or I've listened to a sermon and a pastor's using the NIV um, and they're using their, they'll base this, uh, they'll base their sermon on a certain word that's not even found in that paragraph. Um, they've, uh, the translators used a different word. They thought they knew what God was trying to say here and their bias comes through and that's what happens. So that's one of the major problems that I find with this because it makes it hard for the reader to know when the text is being paraphrased. If you're using a pew Bible, you will have no idea. Um, and even certain study Bibles, even though the excellent Life Application Study Bible, which is the best-selling study Bible out there, um, and I believe Zondervan owns the rights to that too, and, um, but that is put out in so many translations, not in the ESV though, Crossway has never been a part of that, but um, it is an excellent, I bought an NIV Life Application Study Bible 1984 edition for all of my kids. That on they all have one of these because the study notes in there are so great. But um, it sometimes you, you just don't know unless you got a good study Bible like the NIV Study Bible. You won't know if you're reading something that's paraphrased or not. Now the 84 edition NIV Study Bible, as I stated, it includes footnotes and commentaries on the individual verses, and usually it doesn't hit all of them, but it does note when you have some paraphrasing taking place. Well, I think I've stamped that one to death here. Let's go to another problem. Uh, to make this more readable, translators took single paragraphs in the oldest text, like the Masoretic text or whatever. They took a whole paragraph and they chopped them up into many paragraphs. So taking one long paragraph, making it into from one into say like eight, uh, like Luke chapter 10, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan in the original text goes from, um, it, it includes so many verses, I can't remember what it starts at, verse 15 or something like this, and goes to like verse 36, is one paragraph. But um, in this, this Bible, the NIV, there's like eight or nine paragraphs. So it, they, they do this. And of course, if you 
do this, you lose the context of what the original thesis statement or topic sentence was. So it, it removes the context and it can mislead people into false interpretation of the meaning of what's going on. That's why I say um, always, I really highly endorse you to get a New American Standard because they always bold print the number of the verse where a new paragraph takes place. So as I said, I have used my NIV Study Bible for many, many years. I use it alongside a New American Standard so I know where the paragraphs are. Uh, otherwise, you can take things out of context very easily. And that is one of the problems of this translation. Um, a third thing, the newest editions have taken a more political correctness and gender-neutral tones. And the reason they did was to become more acceptable with modern culture. Well, some people have no problem with that. I personally do. Um, I just don't like taking what God's Word is and sort of interpreting to make it fit with our culture today. Um, the early edition, uh, 1984 edition of the NIV, is by most scholars, they will say it's a more uh, more trusted and a better edition than the newer ones. I know some pastors that still use the NIV um, in, in many of their sermons, but they use an NIV 84 edition. They don't like when I've talked to them, and I'm like, wow, you're not, you, I, I noticed that you're uh, not using the 2011. And, and, they, and they've told me to my face, I said, well, I don't care for it. It's, it's not as accurate as the 84. Um, problem is you just can't find an 84. <laughs> But the study Bible version of the 1984, if you ever come across one, it was on the hardcover, it was a blue hardback. Um, if you can find one of those, those are fantastic Bibles. I, I encourage you to find one of them and get it if you're really wanting to use the NIV because it has great study notes and it tells you where the bias many times are. Now, as we've been doing in these studies, we've been looking at Titus chapter 2, 11 through 13 because of the doctrinal statement here to see how accurate. And you're going to like this one in most cases here. This is the NIV. This is the 2011. So this is the newest translation. In the, in the 84 version, it reads a little different, but you're still going to get the basis here. So here's Titus 2, 11 through 13 in the 2011 NIV. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you're going to see right here, there's very little difference of, of doctrine from any of these translations, basically, we've been doing. And just to wrap this up here today, this is, as I said, the most popular version of the Bible on sale today. More NIVs are sold than any other thing, and it's the 2011 version um, uh, uh, that is being, that sells out, uh, or outsells all the other translations here. Though newer edition, the newer edition of 2011 are less and less accurate, the last couple of ones that they've done, um, it's still extremely popular. Um, this newer version using gender neutral uh, terms for people and sometimes even for God doesn't fly with, with certain evangelicals. Many, many evangelical denominations have switched. They, they use the older version NIV, but after 2011, as these came out, they stopped using these, and they've gone to more accurate translations like the ESV or, or something else, or New King James, as some do. Um, anyway, the older 84 edition, particularly the NIV Study Bible 1984 edition, 
is a much better version. The only problem is you just can't find them today. But that is the NIV. It's a very popular translation. Doctrinally, it's not so bad, but if you really want to know what the Word of God is saying specifically, and you want to know what the context is that the verses are in, this is not a Bible to use. If you want to understand just basic information, like an elementary grade uh, level of understanding the Word of God, it is excellent for that. It makes it very easy to understand. But for a serious Bible study, this is not one I highly recommend. Um, It just has so many limitations to it, but it is easy to read and understand. You're just sometimes getting some bias and you're losing some context and some word substitutions are not very accurate. But outside of that, it's like I say, it's the number one selling Bible today. Well, I hope you learned a little bit from that one. And and, uh, if you have um, your NIV and you love it, hey, (laughs) go ahead and read it. Um, I'm just saying there's more accurate versions than you will find that are out there than this. But if you want a readable text, this is an easy one to use. I still use mine. Those I've said numerous times here, I love the 84 edition. It's the one I use the most um, of this. And it's, it's a great Bible um, if you can find one. So scour your bookstores and stuff. See if you can find an 84. Um, otherwise, Enjoy whatever you're doing as long as you get into the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit teach you. So thanks for joining me today. And until we meet again, take care and may God bless. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to help us produce the next course, you can become a donor at evidenceforfaith.org give. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org give. And don't forget to use some of the other links in our description. You can find out more about Evidence for Faith and what we do as a ministry and even sign up to some of our programs. And if you've enjoyed today's course, don't forget to share it with a friend so they can benefit from it too. And with that, we hope to see you on the next course.